And that's why I titled this sermon series, I Saw the Sign. And the title of this morning's message is, What Sign? <laughs> right? We, we often run into that. Um, have you ever been pulled over by a police officer because you're speeding too fast? And, and they're like, hey, you're breaking the speed limit? I'm like, what sign? I didn't see the sign. I didn't see the speed limit sign, right? And then you always ask the question, does it mean when you get to the sign, you start slowing down to get to that speed limit? Or do you got to be going that speed before you're at the sign? The answer is, do you stop before the stop sign? <laughs> What you're supposed to act, absolutely right. <laughs> yes, so you're supposed to be going that speed limit. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, all my officers in the house today. You're supposed, if the speed limit says 55, you're supposed to be slowing down and be going 55 at that point. So when you're going into town and you exit um, Highway 11 and you're going on to Mockingbird, you're supposed to be going 30 by the time you get Mockingbird, not going 55 still and then slowing down because they'll bust you, I'm telling you. Uh, uh, I'm not going to say who knows from experience, but people in my household know from experience, by and large being me, right? <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for grace. Amen. And so we titled this, I Saw the Sign, because a sign is there to help us recognize something. The purpose of this series is to help us see the sign, but not stop at the sign, unless you're driving, but, but you go when you see the signs of God. The signs of God are not for you to stop and look at, oh, how wonderful it is. The signs of God are a go signal for you to go deeper into the things of God so that way you can experience more of the character and nature of God. Amen? I don't want to just experience the things of God. I want to experience God himself, his character, his nature, who he is and who he's calling me to become. When you walk in this building, you see on the one side of the wall, you got group life. On the other side of the wall, you got next steps. And many people, you're still not involved and you just walk right past the sign. The signs aren't there for you to say, wow, great wall decorations. The signs are there to say, here is your place of connection at TWBC. Amen. It's your place to go to one of these signs and there's going to be somebody there to help connect you at a deeper level in the church rather than just an amazing Sunday morning worship experience. And so all the signs all around that you see at TWBC are all directional. They're directing you to something deeper, something more, something different. They're wanting you to transition from one place to the next. Like the sign right there on the back wall, it says worship center. When you walk through the hallway foyer into here, you've transitioned from one place to another, a place of entering in the presence of God to a place of where the presence of God is made manifest in the worship center. And so signs are always there for a purpose. And so the series that we're in is meant to be very practical. I, I want to bring a gospel to the Northeast Texas region, not that's just great intellectually. I want you to learn something, and, and I hope you gain knowledge every time you're in the presence of God. If you don't, I don't know if you were actually in the presence of God. Because it doesn't matter. It can be the most simple message ever, but if you're in the presence of God, you're going to hear it new. Right. Amen. Hallelujah. I think we just lost our charismatic expression as a church, right? It's like, oh, Yeah. So it doesn't matter if you like what the pastor's preaching. It doesn't matter who is preaching or teaching. What matters is, did you make a conscious effort to enter into the presence of God, go into the holy place where God will always speak to you a new word and a fresh word that will be practical for your living out outside of the walls of the church? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. See, America is addicted to knowledge, and I'm going to preach on this in the next couple weeks. We are so addicted to knowledge, we think our answer is always more knowledge. The answer is not always more knowledge. It's just practically applying the knowledge you already know. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. 
You don't need somebody to give up here and give you a theological dissertation on the scripture. You just simply need to open the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. But see, we're addicted to knowledge. We want somebody to teach us more. We don't want to apply what we already know. And so with this, I want us, this series, I hope you learn something new. I really do. But the, the, the goal and the impact of this series is not for you to learn something new. It's for you to practically apply it. And I said this last week, uh, if you have a PhD, many times that means just piled higher and deeper. They're just piling more information that's not practical in any way, shape, or form. Like kind of like some of y'all when y'all were going through high school and you were at algebra two or three or 16, whatever they got to take now, or calculus and, and, and whatever, and you're like, how is this ever going to help me? I can't practically apply this in life. I'm going into theater and arts and not algebra and engineering, right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll get some response now. <laughs> Nothing against algebra. You better pass the class. Amen. Hallelujah. But I don't understand why you mix letters and numbers all up together. That just doesn't make sense. Amen. Right? So a lot of times you come to church and the pastor wants to impress you with the intellectual knowledge that he's gained in studying and being in the presence of God all week. And I'm not here to impress you. I'm here to be practical with you. I want to bring a message that's practical. See, I think PhD needs to change in the church to not being piled higher and deeper, but practical, holy, and deliverable. The reason Jesus was so effective, he was very practical in his message. The sower sows the word. It's not, it's not hard. It's not hard to get that concept. The sower sows the word. And he went on to tell the parable. You throw some on rocky soil. It doesn't grow very well, right? He made it practical. But he didn't compromise the holiness of it, right? Sometimes in the world today, we think we either get, we, if we're going to make the message practical, we got to compromise in its holiness. And I'm telling you, you couldn't be farther from the truth on that. If the message is going to be practical and it's going to see life change happen because that's what TWBC all is all about, you cannot compromise the holiness in trying to make it practical for somebody to apply. The fact of the matter is you need to ask for wisdom or anointing so that the holiness of the scriptures can be shown out through the practicality of its living. Come on. Some of y'all just need to go back and circle that and go back and relive it, right? So we're not compromising. It's how I ended the last series. Daniel was a Jewish person with Jewish dietary restrictions with the Jewish law in place, and he navigated his Jewish faith in an ungodly Babylonian culture and did not compromise it. In fact, he gained influence because he did not compromise his faith. See, I believe God is waiting for the church to gain great influence in the earth again, but we can't do it by compromising. We're going to have to do it by standing strong with a gospel that's practical for everybody. That's why Jesus came, not just the royal priests could do it, but a gospel that's practical for everybody to apply because of his blood. It's going to be holy because Jesus is still holy. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's going to be deliverable. It's going to be something that the world can grab onto. This is why sinners ran to Jesus but ran away from the Pharisees. And so I want us to be a church that the, that the people of the outside world said there's something different. They're having an influence on my life. And they run to TWBC to experience life change in a way that's practical, holy, and deliverable. Come on now. That, that, I want it to be that way. Come on. Give God a hand clap of praise on that. So I want to live out my level of spirituality by being practical, holy, and deliverable, not piled higher and deeper and being pharisaical. Amen? I don't want to be pharisaical. Man, I want to walk into a Starbucks and I want to be the same, the same Joel that's standing up here on the platform. Practical, holy, and deliverable. 
Because the platform doesn't matter. I want to walk into a jail cell and be the same guy that walked into the Starbucks, the same guy that's up here on the platform, the same guy that's going to go to Vietnam in a few months, the same guy that's going to whatever God's called me to do. I want to be the same. Practical, holy, and deliverable with the scripture. And so as we start into this morning's message, the title of this message is What Sign? And I want to talk about the invite first. Now, now listen to how this is phrased. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus was also invited to the wedding. So it makes a specific point, John writing this, makes a specific point to say Jesus was invited. Everybody say invited. And as Jesus was invited, listen, a lot of us want what is related to Jesus, but do we really want Jesus? See, it says Mary was there, so we know she had the invite, but it makes the point of saying Jesus was also invited. So the person didn't just want who was related to Jesus, they wanted Jesus also. A lot of us, we want what is related to Jesus, but we got to ask ourselves, do we really want Jesus? Come on. And this is supposed to get real, real uh, down to earth here in just a second. And, and understand this, if, if, if you leave here saying, I stepped on your toes, that wasn't my point, I was going for your heart. Amen. Not to step on it, to, to let God work on it, right? Amen. I'm going for your heart this morning. I'm, I'm really, I want, I want you to get to the heart of this. It says, Jesus, this says, Jesus was also invited. Listen, healing is related to Jesus, but do you want the healer also? Healing is related to Jesus. Healing and Jesus go hand in hand. You can get healing but not get the healer. And I want to ask you, do you want the healer more than you want the healing? And so with this, healing is related to Jesus, but do you want the healer? Because listen, the healing will get you through, but the healer will transform you. See, a lot of us don't really want to be transformed. We just want to get through the current crisis. Right? The, the guy here in the wedding, I'm sure he wasn't so concerned about how he was going to be transformed after this scenario. He was just saying, I need some more wine. <laughs> We're out. I'm struggling. <laughs> My electric bill can't get paid. The brisket wasn't done right. Come on. You're getting through your current crisis. A lot of us don't really, a lot of us just desire to get through our current crisis. We don't desire to be transformed through the process of our crisis. We just want God to meet our next immediate available need so we can go on and get through it. But God's desire is not just to get you through it. God's desire is to get you to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. He doesn't just want to get you through it. He wants to get you to him. And therefore, he doesn't just want to bring you healing. He wants to bring you the healer so you can come in contact with the healer, get the healing, but be transformed in the process of it. And change everything about your life in the process. Another example is this. Do we want the provision or do we want the provider? Do we want the provision? See, provision is related to Jesus, but do we want the provider that provides the provision? See, we want God to give us a raise, but we don't want God in our house. Right? We just want God to build us a bigger house. So there's more room for him not to be. I'm going to preach myself happy. (laughs) Y'all don't look happy, but I'm happy. And it's not because I'm offended, because I see God waking up some things inside of you. 
See, we ask God for a bigger raise because we need more money. We ask him for his provision, but do we really want the provider? Because the provider will change the way we spend our money. And we don't really want to change the way we spend our money. We just want more of the provision so we can spend it how we want to. Hey, come on, somebody. That's a, that, that'll preach. See, we, we don't really want the transformer to transform us, but we want everything related to him. See, we want all the goods of the kingdom of heaven, but we don't want the good, good father that gives the goods. We want all the benefits of the kingdom of heaven, but we don't want the benefactor of heaven. So listen, do we want to be sustained or do we want the supplier? Do we want to be sustained or do we want the supplier? See, being sustained is related to Jesus, but knowing the supplier is different. Knowing the supplier is a completely different aspect altogether. And so do you want to get through it or do you want to be transformed in it? Getting through comes with what is related to Jesus, but transformation comes from Jesus himself. Who was transformed at the wedding? The servants. They're the ones who listened. It doesn't say that what the groom was blessed. It doesn't say, oh, how wonderful. It doesn't say the groom came and knelt down at the feet of Jesus and worshiped him and said, praise you, thank you for all you did. It said the servants knew where it came from. You know who God reveals his plans to in the earth to? The ones who serve him. Why, why do you think we want to get you in group life? We want you not just leading and volunteering at the church. We want to get you serving in some aspect because that's how God reveals his plans in the earth to those who serve him. And it doesn't mean you're a servant. It means you're a son and a daughter serving in the kingdom so he can release authority and anointing into your life so you can come in contact with the lost world and be practical, holy, and deliverable and expand the kingdom of God. If our attachment is to what is related to him, we will always run out. If our attachment is to the revelation of him, we'll never run out. See, if we're only going for what is related to Jesus, we're always going to run out at some point. We're going to run out. I preached it last week. We're on the outs. You're out of creativity. Your marriage is done. Your kids are done. Everything's on the out. If we only go for what is related to him, what is close to him, we will always run out. But if we go for him himself, for who he is, and get the revelation that he is not just provision, he is the provider himself, he is not just the sustainer, he is the supplier himself, we'll never run out because we know where the source of the supply comes from, not just the source. We, we, we don't need to go to the store and get more grapes because we know who made the grapevine itself. Oh, come on now. But see, if we only want to just get the goods off the grapes... And we don't want to meet the one who, who made the grapevine itself and spoke it into existence. We'll always run out at some point. See, I don't know how to raise my kids. So I got to go to a greater source of wisdom than myself. And it's called the Holy Ghost. Amen. And if you're not raising your kids according to the power of the Holy Spirit, you're not raising them right. Because you don't know how to deal with the technology generation when you didn't have it. We don't have a prior generation to turn to and say, Help! Right? This is why there is such a big chasm right now. It's because we have a generation who only knows technology and a generation raising them that still doesn't understand technology. God help us. So, so there's this huge disconnect. And so if I'm going to raise my children, I've got to raise them according to a wisdom that's way greater than Joel's got. Amen. Hallelujah. 
And all y'all ought to be praising God for that. If we're going to see the church expand in a rapid rate in the Northeast Texas area and be a kingdom advancing church, we've got to rely on a greater wisdom than what comes through a strategic plan. We've got to rely on the strategy guy himself, and that's God. We've we got to relate. We've got to rely on the one who creates and forms, not just the one who gives the product of what he does. So with this, I want to encourage you, do we really want Jesus or do we want just what is related to Jesus? See, I've been, in my life over the past few years, God's really been doing a great work and, and I've been able to, to have some awesome visions from God. I've been able to sense the Holy Spirit in ways I've never had before. I've been able to, 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 to see things that I haven't seen and hear God in ways I haven't. But all of that, all those things are good. But if I only want the things to say, oh, I can see visions and do miracles and signs and wonders and all that. If I'm only going for the things and not really going for him, all the things are useless. And the Bible says they're all going to pass away anyway. Where there are visions, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. The Bible says it's all going away someday. But if my reliance is what I can do in my spirituality and not on the one who gave me my spirit himself, come on. I'm really not wanting transformation. I just want to do God's, God's fun stuff. <laughs> right? If I just want visions to say I got visions and not go to the vision giver, then, then I'm missing it. Oh, and I don't know why I'm spending so long on this point, but I know that in the church today, because we are in a consumer society, we want what God can give, but do we want the God who gave it? Because the God who gave it will require transformation out of us as he gives it if we'll get to know him, because he doesn't just want to give it one time. He wants, us to he wants to be able to give it to us all the time, so we steward it well and give us authority in it. But if Joel's going to be given authority in anything from the kingdom of heaven, it's going to be because I've changed from an earthly thinking and mindset and, and concept to a heavenly kingdom mindset and concept where he can trust me with it. But that doesn't happen by just getting the things of God. It happens by going to God, the creator himself. Come on now. I want God. I want God. And I hope 20 and I hope 2020 is the year of more. More anointing. I've been praying about God, what's where you want us going into next year? And he, he, I keep getting the word more. And I'm I'm unleashing something I probably shouldn't. So pray through with me. And, and it's and, and, and it's the year of more. And I said, Yeah, we can call it the year of MAS, M-A-S. More anointed serving. The year of Moss. Some of y'all are mad because I brought up a Spanish word, right? <laughs> hey, it's tongues, right? We, we believe it. I'm just lighting the mood here. Some of y'all are, whoo. David, you may have to help me with that one, buddy. I'm telling you. Come on. The year of more. Why don't you want a week of more of God? Not more of his things, more of God. So do we want what is related to Jesus or do we want Jesus himself? And then get what happened here. Jesus was invited also, and when the wine ran out, listen, the wine was gone, y'all. It was gone. Gone, 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 done, no more. It was gone. And you want to know what? I bet Jesus already knew it was gone before Mary came to him and said, Jesus, the wine is gone. I, I just bet he knew. How do you think I know that he knew? I think I know that he knew that the wine was already gone because if he is the one who spoke the grape unto the vine, I'm sure he knew the vine that produced the wine was already gone when it ran out. And if you go a couple chapters later when he fed the 5,000, he said, Philip, what are we going to do? Knowing he already knew what he was going to do. Come on now, that's, that's one of my next messages. He already knew what he was going to do. He already knew it. 
I hope that encourages you. He already knows. He already knows what you're out of. He already knows what hurt you're in. He already knows what pain you're in. And that's why I love the song we, we sang earlier. My pain and my oppression met. Boom, by the power of God. Hallelujah. Man, I love that part of that song. He met my pain and my oppression according to him, not according to me. And so he already knew that the wine was gone. But Mary came and said, Jesus, they're out of wine, and the wine is gone. They have no more. Listen, Mary did not come to Jesus to inform him. She came to Jesus to involve him. She came to Jesus to involve him. She just didn't want to come to you and say, honey, I got some information for you. They're out of wine. Right? She came to involve him in the situation, the only one who could fix it. She came to involve him. And I want to encourage you in this. Signs are trying to involve you into the things of God, not just inform you about God. They're trying to involve you in what God is doing. They're trying to bring you to a place in God that only it can bring you. And, and I mentioned this earlier, but a lot of times when we see a sign, we, walk, we, we, we look around and say, what sign? You're driving down the road and you pass the speed limit sign and you get pulled over. What sign? See, many of us may be getting pulled over spiritually because we're not seeing the sign God told us to see. You're at a stopping point. I'm not talking that, 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 that God is the big religious God coming to stop you in your spiritual walk. I'm saying when we miss the sign, whether it be directional, mileage, whatever, when we miss the sign blinking on our, on our dashboard that you're running out of fuel. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many of y'all ever just run it as close as you can? I'm telling you. I used to be good, and the man never let it get below a quarter of a tank. Now that you got kids, it's like, all right, we're stretching this baby all the way out. <laughs> right? We're just going to see how far it goes. And, and I'm glad I know my vehicle, and I'm glad my wife knows her vehicle, because we'll be in the passenger seat of each other's vehicle. Like, honey, don't we need to get gas? Nah, we're good. <laughs> right? We know. You know. You, you, right? Sometimes our spiritual life comes to a stop because we miss the sign. And when you miss while God is trying to involve you, you miss the opportunity to, for him to give a new authority in you and put a new authority on you and put a new anointing in your life because we're missing the signs of what he's calling us to do. We're missing the signs that there's an open opportunity here in the Northeast Texas area because seven, or I, I would say 65% of our population is poverty level or less. Are we missing a sign of how we could be impacting our community? Just by studying demographics, you can see where the needs of this Northeast Texas region are. And are we missing the sign? What God is saying, this is how you can win all of them to Jesus. <laughs> Give them some soup. Right? I'm not saying we're starting a soup kitchen, but I am saying we got to break the curse of poverty off this region. And it will happen by practically feeding them, but you're not just practically feeding them a meal. You're practically feeding them the anointing as well. So therefore, we need people back there making the soup, and we need people praying over the soup. Come on, somebody. We need them both. And then we need people serving the soup. <laughs> right? Because God reveals his plans to those who serve him. Now listen. Signs are trying to involve you, not just inform you. Everything that we are going through in this life is an opportunity for you to send an invitation to involve Jesus, not just inform him. Did you catch it? Mary didn't come to Jesus to inform him. It was an invitation to involve him. And Jesus said, woman, what does this have to do with me? 
My time hasn't come. He's talking about the cross. But there was a need in the moment that Mary said, but we need you now. <laughs> Not just on the cross. There are a lot of us in our life right now. We need Jesus to show up now. We understand the kingdom of heaven later, and we understand the eternity with Christ. We understand all of our needs are met and, uh, according to his riches and glory, but we always put it off to someday. But some of us need Jesus to show up right now, and we need to involve him, not just inform him. A lot of us just want to go to Jesus to inform him of our problems. We don't necessarily know if we want to involve him in our problems because if he gets involved in our problems, then I got to change, and it's not somebody else's fault. It's mine. <laughs> I love taking personal responsibility. You know, if I messed it up and I'll involve Jesus, his supernatural power can fix my mess up and fix me all at the same time. And that is so comforting to me as a believer. I can't mess his church up. It's his church. And if I happen to mess it up, he's big enough to fix it and me and the church and every problem in it all at the same time. But I need to be willing to involve him, not just inform him. Yeah. See, the groom messed it up. He ran out of wine and everybody at the wedding was affected. Jesus in doing this didn't just want to get informed. He got involved and he fixed the groom's shame. He fixed the wedding's problem. He made sure everybody else had enough to drink and the wine came. And he said, fill up these six stone water jars. If you do the math, that would have created over 1,000 bottles of wine in today's time. He fixed it all. Come on, y'all should have had a roaring applause on that. I mean, come on. He can fix it all. He can fix it all. I don't care how bad you messed up your marriage. I don't care how bad you messed up your kids. I don't care how bad things are at your workplace. If you'll choose to involve Jesus, not just inform Jesus, but truly involve Jesus, he can fix you, your job, your boss that you don't like and you've been informing God about. <laughs> come on, somebody. No staff amens on this. Come on, I'm telling you. <laughs> that you've been informing God about. See, you don't really want God involved in fixing your boss. You just want to inform God how bad of a boss you got to work for. Right? Come on. I want God involved. I want him involved. Listen, everything that we're going through in this life is an opportunity for you to send an invitation to Jesus for him to be involved, not just inform him. Not just inform him. Listen, the good things that are going on in your life are an invitation for you to send a note to Jesus that says, Jesus, here's your invitation. Come get involved with my good times. Listen, I want him involved in my good times because when we acknowledge him when things are good, but, but do you let him celebrate with you in the goodness of it? See, we always say, oh, he's so good and God did this. You acknowledge him when things are good, but do you invite him to come and get involved with the celebration of the goodness? Some of you are like, I don't even know what that looks like because you never sent an invitation. Here's what that looks like. It's more than doing God lip service, say, oh, he's God and I knew he would come through. It's no, Jesus, come and let's celebrate together. It doesn't say Jesus turned the water into wine and immediately left the party. He stayed at the wedding. And all his disciples believed him at this. See, when you involve Jesus in celebrating in the goodness, it's going to make more people become followers of Christ, not followers of you. 
And if you're posting Facebook things about scriptures and all this stuff to get people to follow you and how many likes you can get on you and how many Instagram posts you can get on you and how many people can praise you, well, then you may be doing God lip service, but God doesn't want to celebrate lip service. He wants to celebrate with you in the goodness of him. And if it's creating you to draw people to him, then praise God. But most of us put stuff to draw people to us, not him. I'm preaching today. I'm going at it. Y'all may not be like, I'm, I'm going there. I'm going all these places I, should, I shouldn't because I want him involved. I don't want him just informed because he already knows. He already knows. Now listen, in the bad times, we cry out for him to save us, but if we don't let him celebrate in the goodness, we confirm that we just wanted what was related to him, not really him. See, in the bad times... In the bad times, we cry out, Jesus, come in, help me, what? and all this. But if we've never let him celebrate in the goodness of the good times, we are confirming in our own life we just want what is related to him, not really the revelation of him and who he is to transform us. See, every negative situation I've ever gone through, it's been an opportunity for me to send Jesus an invitation to transform my life, not just fix my problem. Jesus is not my auto mechanic just fixing my car when it breaks. He is the owner of the car. And it all belongs to him. But in my bad times, as I cry out to him, and I'm saying, Jesus, come and save me. If I've never let him celebrate in the goodness of the good times, I've only just confirmed that I want what is related to him, the healing and not the healer, the provision and not the provider, the sustaining and not the supplier. I want more than that. I want to involve him. What about things aren't always good? Things aren't always bad. Most of us are just hoping for normal, right? God and our government, just give us normal. There's nothing normal right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know I'm right. God and our government, just give us normal. God, can we just have a week at work that's normal and no drama? God, can we just have a night at our house that's normal and no ball practice and no other stuff? Can we just have a normal? Amen. Right? See, a lot of us, we don't have good and we don't have bad. We just want normal. But here, we want the don't rock the boat. But the problem is when we're begging for normal, we're saying don't rock the boat. Don't make me depend on Jesus. I'm good all on my own with my own sufficiency within myself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know it's right. When things are normal, we're saying we really don't want to walk by faith today. I want an easy coast of a day. But the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I got to make a decision. Do I want normal or do I want to be pleasing? And sometimes faith is this. No, a lot of times faith is this for Pastor Joel. It's not starting and doing something. It's stopping and doing nothing. Because I'm a starter. I'll start something just for the sake of starting it. And God's hand may not even be in it. But praise God, I did it by faith and I started it. But I never heard from him to start it. See, it's easier for me to start something than to stop and just be in the presence of God. Because you want to know what happens when I stop and just be in the presence of God? He starts working on me. And I really don't want to work on me. I want to fix this community problem and this departmental problem and this statewide problem. And let's go around the world and plant churches. But... I want to start, but when I stop by faith, he starts working on me. 
And I don't know if I want to work on me. Bring me somebody to witness to. Witness to yourself. Hallelujah. David said this, I encourage myself in the Lord, my God. Witness to yourself. Start telling yourself about Jesus and why you're not acting like him currently. Come on, this is Joel talking to himself. This, y'all don't want to be in my truck driving down the road when it's me and God having conversations. It, it's not always pleasant on my side. I mean, I talk a lot up here, but I don't get to talk a lot in my truck. He, he's always talking. And I'm like, God, can't we just be? We are just being. I'm creating you into a better being, right? Come on now. And God, God, God just, can I just tell you how God talks to me? It's called bluntly. And all the women said amen because he's a man and he can't hear right, right? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> he talks to me bluntly. Why? Because I don't, I, I'm getting better at hearing, but sometimes I'm not the greatest at hearing. And then when I do hear him, I hear him according to my inner issue that needs to be fixed, not the way he really wants it. Right? Come on. And so with this, I want us to begin to understand that when we just say, God, keep it normal, don't rock the boat, don't make me depend on Jesus, we say, I'm good. We want him close enough to get to, but far enough away that he doesn't inconvenience us. Come on. We want God close enough that we can get to him when it gets bad, but far enough away that he's not an inconvenience in our life. Don't make me go pray for that person at work. God, can't I just be normal today? The fact of the matter is we are believers. We are supposed to stand out. We are supposed to look different, walk different, talk different, act different, love different, be different. So no normal can't be in our repertoire. Say that. That's good. So a lot of us want God close enough to save us, far enough away that he's not an inconvenience to our normal living all right i'm gonna land this plane because y'all are like <gasps> whenever you send out an invitation to somebody right have y'all ever sent out an invitation Corey? have y'all sent out any invitations Woo! by the way if you have an rsvp to Corey's wedding you're gonna have to bring your own sack lunch because he said the catering is cut off <laughs> right that's good when, when i mean come on it really is this scenario when the brisket ran out <laughs> right Listen, whenever you send out invitations to people, you don't want to inform them. You want their involvement. Yeah. When we send out invitations to our wedding, we didn't want to inform you we were getting married. We wanted you involved in our life and in our marriage. Come on. Whenever you send out an invitation, it is for more than information. It's for involvement. That's why it says RSVP. It means please respond. There is something just below the surface of the envelope that when you open it up, you got to get past the surface to get to the involvement of what he's calling you to do. Many of you in your life, we get the invitation in the mail and you're like, "Woo, we got an invitation, but we never open it up and get past the surface of the problem to see what it's really inviting us to. Because the envelope doesn't tell you the time. The envelope doesn't tell you the location. Beth Hankins over there. Amen. Hallelujah. I just saw it all over Beth's face. Come on. <laughs> right? The envelope doesn't have the time. The envelope doesn't have the destination. The envelope doesn't tell you where the reception's going to be, where there's going to be more than enough brisket for all the people that come in RSVP. Amen. <laughs> right? The, 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 the envelope doesn't have it. You've got to get past the surface. And because we can't see past the surface of our electrical bill getting paid, we miss the invite of what God's really calling us into. Come on now. 
Because we can't get past the surface of our kids' intellectual struggle in school, we're missing what God is really calling us into. Since we can't get past the problem at our job and we don't ever get past the surface, we're just seeing a mean boss or an ugly coworker or somebody who's always an issue or a, or a distraction at work. Because we can't get past the surface, we miss the true invite to what he's calling us into. I'm asking you to go deeper. Get past the surface of your problem. The surface is not the story. Some of us are looking at the surface and therefore we're overcome by the waves of the circumstance. Have you ever been on the ocean? If you've ever been to the ocean, amen, praise God, that's right. If you've ever been to the ocean, there's more to the story than the surface. But if you only remain on the surface, you're going to get hit with every wave of every storm that comes. But I'm telling you, I've been scuba diving when the surface was rough, but as soon as you get past the surface and you go deep, it's calm as can be. You don't feel the waves underneath. You feel the current. And God's saying, if you'll trust me enough to get past the surface, I'll bring you into my current. If you'll trust me enough to get past what your circumstance is, I'll get you into my current. And when you're in my current, you're not just going to get my supply, but you're going to get the supplier himself. And I'm going to steal the surface on the top, but you're going to be deep enough under the water of the surface that you're not going to feel the expressions of the, of the circumstances. You're going to know the me and the invitation I'm drawing you to. Come on now. you got to get past the surface. Everything on your life, you're looking at it at the surface. And if you only look at surface level, you're only going to get surface results. But if you'll decide, I'm going to open the envelope, and this is an invitation to go deeper. I'm going to go deeper, and I'm going to get past the surface level, and I'm going to go deep. Because under the sea, there's a what? A whole new world, right? Come on. There is. There's a whole new world that you'll never see if you'll stay on the surface. And it's no different. Jeremy, tell me I'm right here. There's no difference in the kingdom of God. If you only stay at your surface level Christianity, you're going to miss a whole new world going deeper into the things of God. But you're, if you're looking at your circumstances and saying it's a problem and not a sign to go deeper, you'll never get under the, the you'll never get over the issues of the circumstance and into the current that he's calling you to. It's a call to go deeper. Everything in your life, it's a call to go deeper. It's a call to engage more. Now listen to this. I'm going to close right now. Worship team, come. Altar ministry people, go stand. Y'all get ready because they're fixing to do some ministry this morning. And if you got a need, I'm telling you, he already knows. If you got a need, he's, he already knows. The Bible says, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. Mary didn't come to inform Jesus. She came to involve him. See, most of us, I want to correct your invitation. Everybody look at me real quick. They're getting ready. They know what they're doing. Everybody look at me real quick. Most of us mess up the invitation we send to Jesus. Because your prayers are not an invite to involve him. You're simply worrying with your eyes closed. Somebody say, say that again, because I'm going to say that again. Many of us miss up, mess up our invitation to involve Jesus. Because you're not really sending an invite to involve him. You're simply worrying with your eyes closed. Oh, Jesus, I don't know how we're going to get the electric bill paid. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't, these kids that you gave me, this wife that's... Right? 
You never really gave him an invite to involve him. You simply worried with your eyes closed and called it prayer. And if you're just worrying with your eyes closed and calling it prayer, I'm going to ask you to stop and change the way you pray. And this is where Jesus said, don't pray like the Pharisees with long expressions so they can be heard by their many words. In fact, just say, help! Right? Call on him. Invite him truly to come in. Because if we send him a real invite, I promise Jesus is going to show up. We need to send an invitation to Jesus that will involve him, not just inform him, because he already knows what you're out of. He already knows the wine is gone. Some of us come to inform Jesus because we never involved him in the first place. Some of us feel the need to go inform Jesus because we never asked his involvement before we started the process. And if that's the case in your life, involve him now because he can make all things new. Some of you can say, hey, I, I had marriage issues way back in the day because I got married uh, and informed Jesus about my wedding. I didn't really have him involved at the wedding, right? But now it's time to say, I'm going back and I'm involving him. And watch how he can make all things new. And I've said a lot this morning, but I gotta, I gotta say this. We cannot let our past get in the way of our pursuit. I cannot let my past get in the way of my pursuit. Man, I got issues in my past. Man, I, I failed. I've messed up being a pastor. Like, uh, I've made bad decisions. I've, uh, we, we all got stuff in our life that we say, if I could go back and change one thing, right? One decision I made. I would go change it. It would change the course of my life. Don't let your past get in the way of your pursuit. Listen, I, I don't even know if I should say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Your pastor goes to freedom ministry once a quarter. Not because I'm so messed up, but because I want to be that much freer. Your marriage may be good, but go get freedom. See, because there's something Jesus did in the story of Lazarus. And I'm going to tell you this. If your pastor goes to freedom ministry, everybody got to go to freedom ministry, right? Come on. That's good. That's good. Go to freedom ministry. You need it. You don't even think you need it because life is normal. That's the problem. You need it. He wants it to be great. See, when Jesus looked at the grave and said, Lazarus, come forth, he heard the voice of God and came alive. But then what happened? He still wasn't free. See, a lot of you got born again and you came alive, but you're still not free. You got things in your past that you need to just go get set free from. And watch what God can do. So listen, we can't let our past get in the way of our pursuit. Your past is not your present circumstance, and your past is definitely not the prophecy of your future. You got to hear that. Your past is not your present circumstance. So you can involve Jesus right now in your life. Your past is definitely not the prophecy of what your life is going to look like in the future if you begin to involve Jesus right now. And now, right now is the time. It's the call to involve Jesus in your life. It doesn't matter if you've been born again for, since yesterday or the past 10 years or the past 30 years or the past 60 years. It's time for a fresh invitation to Jesus saying, come and be involved in my life. I don't want what you offer. I want you.